You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. What's up, bro? I mean, how are you? Like, what's what's good? What's new? Um, Man, it's I, been a while since we've uh, chatted, you know? Yeah. Gosh, I'm trying to think of the last time we actually saw one another. It's been a while. Must have been at least over a year ago. Yeah, so I've retired from the SEAL teams. And uh, for a while there, I was doing my own consulting business, and it was going really, really well. And then uh, COVID happened. <laughs> and uh saw a reduction in revenue of like 80 percent the first month i'm like oh we're in trouble <laughs> and then uh, you know a few months in it's like well can i have to get another job and i did some contracting for the marine special operations component for a little while and was negotiating with a former client for a position and then that came through and now i work for a pharmaceutical company that's a former client and now i'm an employee and so that's what's going on, on the work front. I'm in school. I'm getting my MBA at USC. And that is uh, challenging. <laughs> be careful what you wish for when you say, oh, I really, I want to be challenged. And it's like, you just might get what you're asking for because <laughs> it is really fucking challenging. And it's stuff that I've never dealt with in my life, you know, getting present value and net, net present value on uh, projects and doing accounting and doing business statistics. And I'm just like, holy shit, <laughs> this is a lot of math. <laughs> and it's math that, uh, you know, I've never 
really used. I've done some stats in college and some basic algebra and stuff like that, but uh, very, very different concepts. Um, so that's great and challenging. And then sprinkle some family time in there when there is free time and that you pretty much have my life right now. Uh, what is what is being a consultant as a Navy SEAL look like? It was great. Honestly, I loved it. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you consult on? Like, do you consult on like, all right, we're going to take out like the Taliban in New, Mex- <laughs> in New Mexico. Hi, I'm here for the hostile business takeover <laughs> class. Yes, that's right. Here, grab this M4. We're going to go over to Ikea because that's your competitor. And we're just going to shoot everyone in the face. I fucking no. love it. <laughs> no, uh, I dealt with uh, organizational overhaul and uh, leadership and change management. And it just essentially took what I had done in the SEAL teams and applied it to a private sector construct, which was great and worked really, really well and was lucrative. Um, It was, uh, you know, just going in and hearing people's challenges, like from an organizational overhaul perspective, it's okay, what, what do you got going on? And Okay. 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 Well, why do you do this? Like, why, why do you have these systems in place? Do, are they necessary? And a lot of people within the organization know what the answer is. And it's just a question of having some outside entity come in and validate their concerns or opinion. And it was a lot of that. You were like, um, you were like the organization, not, not for the organization, but for like the employees, like their big brother that comes to like, yes. to like, let you know, like, this is for real. Like you can't pick on him anymore. And yeah. You can kill them. Like, they're just like, okay. I yeah. Am. It's so true. It's funny. Cause I had a bunch of potential clients, you know, cause there's a lot of hustling that goes involved in consulting. At least there was for me. Um, I was an army of one, if you will, and just going out alone and unafraid and just trying to make it work. And you talk with a bunch of different people in a bunch of different companies. And I would talk with these people that are mid to upper middle management and sometimes higher management. And I would talk to them about what they had going on in every single company. It seemed like what I had to say resonated with them. And then I would talk with certain people that were, would be in charge of bringing me on board and a large number of them would be like, oh, we don't, we don't need that. I'm like, are you sure about that? Because I'm talking to all of your employees and they're saying that this isn't done right, that this isn't executed well. And I, I still, prior to putting my consulting company into hibernation, still had trouble kind of trying to figure out, I guess, the art of the sale, if you will, and closing things out because... Um, and the pitch, if you will, pitching myself, which is really, really strange coming from the, the environment which I was in for most of my adult life was, yeah, we don't talk about this stuff. We, we, we're not going to broadcast these things on social media. We're not going to go out and advertise at great length. To put yourself in that position and to talk yourself up was interesting. It was challenging as well. Um, at least it was for me. Well, I mean, yeah, the Navy SEALs are like the creme de la creme of all military forces on the planet. Um, I, re- I, I was reading somewhere that it's like the top military force on the planet, probably excluding stuff that we're just not fucking, we just don't know about. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, what, what were the circumstances of your life that you started on the journey to become a Navy SEAL? Well, 
um, I grew up in Nebraska. I went to a one room schoolhouse and it was K through eight all in one room. And uh, I just, my, my father was a physician for our town. And uh, I remember one weekend he would go into the office to catch up on paperwork and certain things. And I would go with him because I wanted to be with my dad. And I remember there was this Time magazine. It was like 1983 or something like that. And it showed this guy coming out of the water with a regulator in his mouth and his cami, cami paint. He had an M16. And I just remember looking at that and going, that looks so badass. And that is such a faraway world from the place that I am living in. I want to say it was wintertime in Nebraska. You know, it's dark and cold and dreary and there's this guy coming out of the ocean and doing that and I was just like that's fucking cool and I was like six or something at the time and that thought stuck with me throughout my childhood and then after high school and into college and I only did a year of college and it was just it was always there and eventually I joined the Navy and I went to BUDS so BUDS being the selection process for those uninitiated so what, what were you like as a kid growing up? I know, cause I know it takes a very special kind of person to become a Navy SEAL. The filtration process is like, there's, yeah. there's so many pieces to it. There's so many pieces now. And I've had some of myself and some of my friends that are from an, I guess now I, I would qualify myself as a new guy, but I mean, relatively speaking compared to the community, I guess I'm old now. I'm fuck. I'm retired now. But uh, if I was to apply today, I probably would not get accepted because we've shifted the criteria so much to these clean cut, it seems like, really, really put together individuals. And the Motley crew that was my buds class had so much character and was so diverse in the realm of background. Um, it just really, really had all takers. And... Uh, I was very much a little shit as a, as a kid growing up, very rebellious, um, struggled through high school, struggled with grades, um, struggled with authority, still struggle with authority <laughs> and, uh, was just kind of, uh, a rebel. And, uh, in the middle of Nebraska, I was, uh, a kid that was geared towards skateboarding and punk rock music. And that was just not what you did. And, uh, I very much had a chip on my shoulder probably unnecessarily so, but I was very much uh, uh, eager to tell people what I thought, regardless of whether it was an appropriate setting. That, that, and that doesn't say, that's not to say that that is uh, mutually exclusive traits that you need to have to join the SEAL teams. But uh, you will find a lot of people that as they we joke in the teams, it's like, yeah, I would either be a SEAL or I'd be in jail. <laughs> and uh, I think that there is some truth to that is that there's guys that are driven and motivated, but are just don't want to fit within this mold that society kind of says, hey, you should do this. But then there's also some very straight laced and uh, clean cut, just good natured people as well. It really does run the gambit. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, that's that's usually what, what gets brought in with high performers. I mean, even in the combat world that I'm familiar with, uh, there's a lot of people that are just like, like you said, like straight lace, like they're like martial artists. And like, there's some dudes that are just like, I, I came off the streets and I want to fight, you know? And yeah, then like bruisers that clawed their way up there. Yeah. And then there's everything in between. 
you know, and then there's the guys that where I'm from, where they're a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's on the spectrum, you know, you draw, you put two points on a piece of paper and you draw a line and it's going to be somewhere in there. I, I like the rebels, but that's just because I fucking resonate with that the most. So. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's regrettably for the SEAL teams because we grav- gravitate those kind of people, or at least they we used to. I mean, I've been out a year and things move pretty fast and we change a lot. But uh, you've got these people that you're encouraged to break the rules to get things done and to you cultivate this sense of take the initiative, think outside the box, do what's necessary, cheat to win, you know, do whatever you have to to survive and get the win. And then we put this, we take these people and we put them in this box that is the construct of the conventional military, the U.S. military. And it's like, hey, operate within inside these lines. And then they're surprised when, you know, you've got these people that you've trained to perfection or near perfection or striving for perfection and that have these traits. And then there's disciplinary problems. There's uh, operating without authorization, you know, all the, all these kinds of things. And it's like, gosh, I just don't know why this is happening. It's like, are you fucking serious? It's just who they are as people. What do you expect? You tell them, Hey, show up here and you better have a clean haircut. Or you, you could tell a seal like, cause within the conventional military, you're not supposed to have a beard. Right. And seals, we've been able to grow beards for certain mission sets and all that kind of stuff. If you came in and told a group of team guys, you have to grow beards. You absolutely have to. Probably like half the guys would be like, fuck you, I'm not growing a beard. Eat a if dick. they wanted, even if they yeah, wanted. even if they wanted it, it was like, gosh, man, I hate shaving. I hate shaving. You'd hear them talk about hate shaving. Man, the command came down and they said, You have to grow a beard and you've you've got to stop shaving. You cannot shave the rest of the year. They'd be like, This blows. What why are you being so oppressive? I have to grow a beard. I don't want to do that. Fuck you. I mean, that's that's just kind of my opinion on things, you know. Oh my it's God. like you tell me what to do, and immediately I don't want to do it because I'm rebellious. And I think there's a lot of people like that in the SEAL teams. Oh my God. So, are you familiar with the Enneagram test? I'm not. It's a it's a personality test. Um, it breaks down into nine archetypes. Uh, apparently, it's been used by ancient Babylonians, ancient Egyptians, some Buddhist sects use it, and some contemplative like Christians use it, and probably way, 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 way further back, Taoists have like their, their big number is nine, Mm -hmm. right? So that's like a full cycle for them. So one of the things that comes up for me is like, um, one of the numbers, it's the most extreme number on the, on the spectrum. It's Mm -hmm. an eight and the eight and each of them have a very specific need and, and all of them, uh, all of the numbers, like, cause I've interviewed so many people that have done the test and they all share the same childhood um, experience, like a similar childhood experience when they share a number. Because hmm. something was necessary to happen to make you realize that character. So the eight, um, and I'm a very extreme eight, <laughs> uh, my, they, each number has an inherent need and the eight's need is the need to go against. That's interesting. That's literally the fucking need, bro. I want to take that test now. I'm going to send it to you, bro. Yeah, please, please do. It's 40 minutes and it might give you the deepest insights to some of the stuff like like the potholes. 
Mm-hmm. Cause there's so many potholes that we as humans fall into because like, this is just who I am. But when yeah. I started to let go of the need to go against, I was able to, like, I became a rebel with a cause as opposed to a rebel without a cause where I would just be like, you don't want me to have a beard? Go fuck your mother. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like that was always like my jam. So when you say that, I'm like, I really wouldn't be surprised if half the SEAL teams or like how you described it are eights. And like extreme eights at that. I would not be surprised. You 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 find all kinds within the community, and uh, some pretty just. It's crazy the people that when I was in the teams that you would find yourself in the room with, and it's just like wow, it's it's very empowering and uh, a lot of potential for growth. You know, I have a buddy named uh, Jesse Itzler, and he's the guy that wrote the book with Goggins, uh, Living with a Seal. So oh yeah. He does these races all the time, these like crazy endurance races and all these like, uh, like non-active seals are like, they're just like, like the mentally toughest people. Like, like they're just, they just kind of like Goggins, like they just push past like whatever physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual limitation there was. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you, I mean, I mean, it's probably both, but do you think it's more um, nature or nurture. I don't know. Um, and, and when I say nurture, I don't mean like their families. I mean no, of course. I mean that, that's the timeless question, right? Nature versus nurture. I mean, I would say it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, because you can have the most brilliant mind on the planet, and they have the regrettable um, childhood of you know growing up in a shitty environment. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell talks about as much in the the book outliers i want to say because he brings up oh, and i'm trying to think of it but he brings up a case of this guy that's this just a brilliant has the potential to be a completely brilliant physicist but for whatever reason you know he grow up grew up in uh, a broken home and had a lot of social issues and all that stuff so those those foundational skills that we would be required to learn and develop at a younger age so you can interact with people appropriately he just didn't have and therefore he didn't he didn't really go as far as he could have but he's absolutely brilliant and so i think I, it was in his nature to j- just be smart right naturally smart but he was not nurtured to i guess take advantage of it you know yeah like the Matt Damon movie. Yeah, right. Like Goodwill Hunting. Hey, you get back here. Fuck you. And it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I resonated with that guy so much. Yeah. Right. I mean, I wish I was as brilliant as Will Hunting, of course. But but uh, you are just in a different way. Like you might be brilliant with like the art form of the M4 or, you know, like it's just like a different kind of, br- everybody's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like that Einstein quote, like if you judge a fish by its ability to fly, like it's, you're always going to think it's fucking stupid. Yeah, so true. And like what you said earlier, like everybody has to like stand in this fucking structure, whether it's school or the military or even an organization. Like if you look at all these fucking private organizations, if they gave the humans, like if they put the right person in the right seat and gave them the freedom to just be like, grow. Like you have all the fucking support you need. Like here's the water, here's the nutrients. Like you grow. I mean, they would all become like the Googles or the Apples. It's so true. Um, uh, 
that's that relates to a story when I was in high school. So I had been kind of told by teachers, you know, that I wasn't very smart and uh, I, I did not score well on tests and all kinds of things. And then um, I want to say it was either my freshman or sophomore year of high school. I, we did a placement test and it was one that was discontinued, but it was compared to the other tests. It had a very unconventional structure. And I want to say that the question segments were, only 90 seconds in length and you had to do all these different questions and we did it and a couple weeks later we got the scores back and I just remember sitting there it's like all right here's your scores and it's just like fuck I really don't want to do this I don't I don't want to see what my scores are because I know I'm going to be bottom of the class and that people are going to make fun of me and I'm going to feel like I'm stupid and people are going to make comments about me being stupid and you know it's just like do we really have to do this again and I remember looking at my scores and the teacher was going over, all right, hey, in this section, you should be here. You should be here. And I looked at my score sheet. I'm like, this can't be right. And I, I asked, I was like, I think there's a mistake on my, on my test. I, I was like, something's wrong. I was like, I, I was like, these numbers can't be right. And she came over and looked at me and she's like, no, those are correct. She's like, holy. And then she looked at it. She goes, holy, she didn't say holy shit, but it was just kind of one of those holy shit moments. And I had the other students in the class came over, some, some of them friends of mine from grade school. One of them I'm still friends with to this day. He was looking at us like, he was like, Jesus, Greg, you're like really, really smart. And I blew the doors off of this exam. And which, and it was the first time I was like, huh. And I got pulled into the counselor's office and he was like, you're really, really smart. <laughs> and that was the first time I'd ever been told that even. And it's just so crazy when you think about putting people in boxes and it's like the fish, you need to fly. And it's like, well, I can't fly. It's like, well, then you suck. And that's kind of what I had been told my whole educational career up until I was a sophomore. And then I had that brief glimmer of actually, hey, I'm, I might be smart, but I'd never been told that, you know, it's so fucked up, really. It, it definitely like one of my driving stories my whole life has been I'm not good enough. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. I'm not worthy, not good enough. Also, I'm not safe. <laughs> I can't trust anyone. Those are like my, so my major, true, my major fucking stories, you know? And like, and honestly, like recently I was actually writing my bio. Uh, I've been trying to write this bio for 10 years now, for 10 years. And I have all these diverse interests. Like I'm a businessman, I'm a martial artist and I have like accomplishments or accolades in, in every single field that I've ever went into. And it, and I, and I still, and I go into rooms and I still feel like I'm, I, I'm like the, the fucking leper. I'm not good enough. Like I always imagine like they're so much better than me. Um, and then I was like writing this bio and I was like, oh my God, like for the first time in my life, I actually, I, I'm looking at all the things that I've created. And I'm like, maybe I'm not so fucking retarded. I was like, yeah, maybe, so true. maybe if it wasn't for that fucking story that I'm not good enough. And because that story tacked on with, I need something to go against. Now my whole life, I've been going against the story. Be like, yeah, I'm not good enough. I'm going to show you how fucking not good enough I, and I'm just constantly like, I mean, just running myself down to the fucking bone, trying mm -hmm. to prove that I'm good enough. And but the ceiling's always being raised. Like I get yeah. to the ceiling and I, and I raise it myself because I need to keep that story going. And yeah. Recently. That narrative. 
Yeah, only recently in the last year, like working with like Jungian um, shadow work and stuff, I've been able to like see that thing and actually be like, oh shit, I am good enough. Like I can fucking do this. This is like, this is, this is something that I, I can do. And if I can't do it right away, I'll be able to do it in six months. Like I, I, I'm, I'm cap. What I realize is like, I'm capable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's like, it's crazy. It's like, I mean, you're a Navy SEAL. Like you were a SEAL for, I mean, you still are a SEAL, right? Like you're always going to be a SEAL, but I mean, like you were an active SEAL for 19 years, right? Yeah. 19, 19 years. years. And and you you still have stories like that in your head about like not being capable. Um, oh yeah, um, I think a lot of that. <clears throat> people that are driven like we are, you know, I mean, there's a plethora of reasons behind that. But it's it's really easy for me to. And I was actually just talking to my therapist about this. <laughs> yes, I have therapist. I, I think it's that's a, that's one thing I would love to see become more mainstream is be it okay for people to admit that hey things are not all that great in your life at times in the realm of social media and putting your life on blast and in the public eye constantly I, th- I feel like there's this massive competition to just put forth this this face of my life is just the most amazing thing on the planet and people that are really engaged in that stuff I, I'm I'm on Instagram that's it you know and it's really just to view my daughter's Instagram to share pictures. But uh, anyway, um, I just think that people forget and lose fact of the reality of life that it is a struggle at times. And I, you know, I find myself, it's really, really easy for me to tear myself down and to be, and to be hypercritical. And part of that is coming from the community itself. And there, there's, there's something necessary behind that, which is, Hey, it's, you, you want to strive for perfection because you and your teammates' lives depend on it. And so you're constantly, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Let's, let's move forward. Let's move forward. There is a byproduct of that, which, you know, when you leave the teams and suddenly everything is, yeah, everything that used to be beautiful and bright, which, you know, Sean Hansen, he's actually my coach. He just did a TED talk in uh, Breckenridge and talks about this. You know, you, you, you're in this, mili- this military perspective. I'm paraphrasing. I'm probably butchering it. But in the military, there's these things that are beautiful and perfect and right. And then you become a civilian and suddenly everything is wrong, which that, you know, reflecting on myself, this desire to always win and drive forward and constantly push people and take no excuses like People in the private sector find that very off-putting <laughs> and it's just, you're really pushy and you're, you're always, you're trying to push projects faster and like, we don't do things at that pace. And it's like, well, why the fuck not? You know, <laughs> I love it. it's uh, something that was very right and true within the SEAL teams that might not necessarily be right and true moving forward. And there's a lot of, as I've left the teams, there's been a lot of things that I've been forced or well, that I've been reflecting on and have how does this serve me going forward you know this was great and it was a part of my life that I loved and I still love this trait however it is wrecking work relationships it's wrecking relationships at home because I'm home a fuck ton more now and all those kinds of things that you're just like huh everything that was correct is now not necessarily correct how where do we go from here it's just an interesting place to be in yeah I mean, I, I've been trying to like fit certain puzzle pieces 
I've been trying to force them in my whole life. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. I'll make this work. To make this fucking work. And what I realize is just like, I'm different. Um, that's one. Um, this one's going to fuck you up right now. I don't, I don't, I doubt your therapist has talked about this specific thing. It like when it, when it hit me, I like, I couldn't stop sobbing. I was sitting there and just like sobbing for an hour. I, I'm on a cry right now, just talking about it. I was sitting there and I was, so I, I live by myself now. Right. And I, I live in like literally like a fucking cave. Um, I, I, I don't it looks like any... you live in a closet. Right? Well, right now I live in a closet here when I record, cause it's the quiet place in my cave. Yeah. Uh, during like the divorce, I moved out to Vegas. And for the last year, I don't have any furniture. I just have like a, like a bed and mm-hmm. I have like mats and like, it's like, a, it's like, it's my fucking dojo period. So all I do is practice, meditate, eat. So I, I practice stillness. I practice movement. <clears throat> I, I cook like very high quality food and I sleep. And I record podcasts and I have conversations with very like interesting human beings. Mm-hmm. So one of the, and during these practices, um, some of them are mystical. Some of them are just, um, just practices. And mm-hmm. one of the things that came to me was just like my whole life, I've been striving for perfection, my whole life, uh, whether perfection in, uh, how many girls I can pick up or how many guys I can beat up or, uh, how many, how much money I can earn or like how many businesses I can start and successfully run like anything, like mm-hmm. how many people can I beat in jujitsu and, and life has constantly thrown challenges my way. And like 11 years ago, I wanted to commit suicide because, you know, I was transitioning from like a similar, maybe a similar and a different, like a criminal past to Mm -hmm. like a civilian life, which is also very different. Like, right. Like there's military and there's criminal and civilian. And it's honestly like criminal and military is probably closer than civilian. So true. Especially within the teams, because it's like (laughs) within the construct of the U S we're the hero, but look at the enemy. They're like, these guys are just miscreants that come in and just destroy everything. (laughs) For sure. So the thing that came up to me for me was just like, I have like, like literally that whole bio that I spoke about, I built from the, the, the mistakes from Mm -hmm. the 11 years ago, four herniated discs, two torn rotators, torn ankle, torn hip, torn knee, uh, both my wrists just bandaged up all the time. I'm competing Mm -hmm. all the time. Insomnia, can't sleep, anxiety, panic attacks, like can't fuck myself to sleep, can't smoke myself to sleep, taking ambience, can't fall asleep with fucking ambience. And I told my mom, that's rough. Yeah. Two car accidents in like a three month period because I fell asleep at the fucking wheel, trying to figure out how to do nursing and this, right? And like, so this is the thing that came to me when I started sobbing. When I look at that bio, that bio was built. That That's my body of work. My body of work is my mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like as a practitioner, as a, as a, as an, even as an operator, like your body of work isn't always so pretty, right? Oh, like, yeah, mine <laughs> definitely is not. Mine so, definitely is not. It's riddled so, with things that I would just go, oh God, can we, can we go back and do that again? This realization came to me. I don't know if I realized it or it realized me. I, I'm not sure which one came uh, first, but it was just like, everything is perfect. Everything that's ever happened in my life has been perfect. And everything that's happening right now is perfect. And Mm -hmm. everything that's about to happen is perfect. 
And then my mind was just like, yeah, right. What do you mean perfect? Like, look at your fucking past. Like, you're a mess. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just like, you sold crack when you were 16. Like, you like it was just like all these like stories. And then it was like, all right, well, if that wasn't perfect, then show me perfect. And then I just, like, mm. when I couldn't find perfect like i've never seen perfect it doesn't fucking exist yeah it doesn't exist or it does that's the other end of it what if it is what if this is perfect and this is what our soul came here to experience and it came here to experience like the falling the slipping the scratching the the fighting with myself like the fighting with others like like to experience all of it so that I can experience the contrast of inner peace and joy and actually being able to enjoy myself with myself. Mm -hmm. And man, I sobbed for hours. I was just sitting there just crying because my whole life, like I, 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 it's not time to enjoy myself yet. I didn't earn it yet. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not quite at that level from the enjoy myself because I do enjoy enjoying myself. (laughs) I do like to enjoy myself. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of intriguing discussions that I'd still like to have, you know, about a bunch of different things, you know, digging into digging into stuff like with my coach or my therapist and um, solve those inner questions, you know. Yeah, those are the real ones. That's the real shit. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be isolated to those two people either. I mean, there's there's a lot that can be gained from you and I. Uh, you know, having an intriguing discussion like bro, we are right I, now, you know, I, long, love, long... I loved you from the moment I met you, bro. I, oh. I remember the moment that we oh, met and you what know. you said to me. <laughs> no, I'm serious, bro. Like I know when like, I love a human being. Uh, and I, I was like, I started talking to you and you're wearing a Navy shirt. And I was like, Oh, are you in the military? But I, I knew you were a fucking seal, bro. I can tell. I remember when that was, it was at uh, apex. Park it was at apex. Yeah, it was the park yeah. place. And uh, you were like, yeah. And I don't know, you looked at me and like you asked where I'm from. And I was like, originally? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, Chechnya. Oh, that's right. I want to say I gave you shit about that. Yeah, you were like, oh, I fought your brothers before. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, I love this guy already. (laughs) Yeah, 05 Iraq. There's a lot of Chechens there at the time. What was that like? Like, what, what is the experience? What was the experience of war like for you? Um, honestly, for a long time, it was kind of a game because I went 12 years of deploying before I was even on a mission where anyone even got wounded. Um, so it was, it was kind of a game and it was a game that we won when I went out I won every single time. And it wasn't just because of me and I'm just so great. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not, but, uh, you are, <clears throat> oh, thanks. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had a bunch of friends that had been wounded had a bunch of friends that had been killed as well. And, uh, it just, that reality sank in, but it was just seemed to be for me when I went out the door, it was when I was deployed to a combat zone. Cause I did two deployments to a non-combat area as well. And that was just like a vacation, but, uh, in the combat zone, it was just kind of like, yeah, we're going to go out and, um, things are kind of going to go well. And even though there was the back of my mind as, as further as I developed and improved my skills within the SEAL teams and I was a veteran, 
it was, yeah, things can go bad. And this is, it was serious. It was serious, but there was that, that I'll never forget that day with a, you know, could heard the troops in contact call go out and hearing, you know, people die on the radio. And it was just like, Oh fuck. Like this is real. And it's one thing to understand that, that reality that you're going to war and people die. And there's another thing completely different to be faced with it and to go, Oh shit. Like this is intense. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, it was an eye-opening experience. It changed me good and bad, of course. Yeah. It, it took, it, that wasn't until gosh, it was 2013 or 12 when that had happened. So I guess I'd been doing stuff for about 10 years. So about a decade, a solid decade, I'd been going to war and had essentially not had to personally within my own space experience any sort of strife, you know, on the battlefield or on a combat operation, you know. So I was very lucky from that perspective, or maybe unlucky because maybe I needed that, that punch in the face to change, to change that reality in my mind at a certain point. But it, that wasn't the case, and it happened when it happened, and uh, <clears throat> it, uh, it changed me. You know, it made me a, a, I th- I mean, it made me a better operator from that perspective. It sucks that people had to die, but uh, I was already, you know, I'd lost a lot of friends up till that point, but it was, oh, fuck. Like, we really got to tighten this up, so... Does that does that answer your question? Yeah. Is it because Hopefully. they is it because they got better in those ten years? The the opponents. I mean, they're they both are. You know, you're you're both here or wherever. I mean, I would like to contend that the U.S. forces were up here, and I mean, to put it in perspective, we are not fighting a near peer opponent. Um, you're fighting a terrorist organization. So we've got air cover. We've got encrypted communications we have complex night vision and night vision you know lay you know lasers that are uh identifiable on night vision i mean the technological advantage to the u.s military is just impressive so from looking at it objectively it's like well yeah of course you went to afghanistan and kicked people's asses i mean you're you look at all this stuff in front of you yeah, they're like so, farmers with AKs. Yeah, they're they're farmers with AKs and uh, with a with a radio. And now they've got cell phones and they use cell phones on night vision. They do have night vision and all that kind of stuff. So things have kind of changed. But the the they don't have the same training pipeline that the U.S. military has. Let alone the SEAL teams. You know, where you go out and do a pre-deployment training cycle and shoot tens of thousands of rounds of ammunition in order to just deploy. I mean, just given that, the the repetitions, you can't not get good. You could be the worst shot in a platoon and still be, and still probably be a better shot than any Al-Qaeda or Talib out there, except for maybe the Chechens. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, they're, but that, that's just all they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, there was a kind of, at least with some of the people that I talked to getting out and myself included, I kind of fell into this as well to a certain level, which is I'm retiring, but I still want to maintain my skills. And it's like, that's not possible. You can maintain a fraction of them. You can go, I can go shooting recreationally and still be a pretty good shot, but I'm not going to be able to compete at an operational level. I can go jump. Uh, like skydive. I can go skydive recreationally. And if I did that all the time, 
I could maintain a level of proficiency, but that's expensive and it's time consuming. And it's the same thing with any sort of skill set that the SEAL teams require in order to operate or any elite military unit. It's I'm retiring and there's no way for me to hold on to my edge and keep it at that level unless you do it full time. And how do you do that? You stay in the SEAL teams, you know, or you join somebody else that does that kind of stuff. But like, that's your job. And, you know, my job now is director of operations at a pharmaceutical company. You know, I, I know how to do Excel and, you know, emails and stuff like that. And I'm <laughs> more proficient at that. Am I still a good shot? Yeah, I'm still a good shot. I still go shoot. And that's one thing the military has not ruined for me. Um, but there's no way for me to maintain that level of proficiency unless I've got Bruce Wayne's fortune behind me and a scheduler and all that stuff. And to just go out and do those things, you just can't do it. Because it's most of what you do in the when you're living the way of the gun is a perishable skill. And yeah, I have this really, really solid foundation, which is a lot higher than other people's foundation. But I can't operate my peak unless I keep doing it all the time. And there's just no way to do it once you get out. Yeah, it's just like combat sports, bro. Yeah, right? Like it's it's exactly like combat sports. Bro. Yeah, like you're really good at jujitsu, but are you at your peak right now? Have you been training, you know, eight to 12 hours a day? And that's all you do is CQC jumping, you know, or at least from a SEAL perspective, you know, like I'm not doing CQC all the time. I'm not, you know, shooting every day. I'm not jumping. I'm not getting into, I'm not doing mission planning, all those things. I still have that foundational base, which is a lot higher than a lot of people's, but it's, it's still not at the peak. It's, it's, it's eroded, if you will. What did your daily life look like as a SEAL? Oh, I've, I was asked that question for years and I'm not, I still don't know what that looks like. <laughs> um, fair. I would say that it, it just depends on where you're at. I mean, it was so dynamic in during the time frame that I was in the teams towards the end, it became a lot more predictable because I came back and I had came back from my last deployment, combat deployment to Iraq and uh, had said, yep, Hey, I am going to retire. I'm going to get out. And that's when I had finally developed a rhythm. My, my last two and a half years was I'm done. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get my bachelor's and I am going to focus on retiring and reconnecting with my family. And uh, I had a schedule then. I, ha I was in charge of a training block. And it, essentially every other month, I would administer a course of instruction for SEAL teams that were getting ready to deploy. So I was part of pre-deployment training. And I had a regular schedule there. So I would run my three-week training block. And then I would come back. We would do a hot wash or a debrief as a cell because I had a bunch of SEALs that worked for me. And one former SEAL that was a civilian. And we would take a week, we would get some points and then we would make a bunch of schedules and stuff like that. And then we would have some downtime and do whatever, kind of come into the office for a few hours and then every day. And then we would do it all over again the next month. And that was my schedule. But in the teams, it was just, you know, <laughs> there was all kinds of stuff, you know, I mean, you could break it up into a two year cycle. It's like, like, I know for this many months, I'm going to be here and what I'm doing exactly, I'm not sure. But from a broad perspective, I'm going to be engaging in this kind of training. And then I'm going to move here and I'm going to form, come together as a team. And we're going to be doing all of this training together in conjunction of, with these individual skills 
that are injected throughout. And then we're going to get ready to deploy. And we're going to bring everybody together from conventional military units and all this other stuff. And we're going to work things together from a training perspective. And then we're finally going to deploy. And whatever happens in deployment, who the fuck knows? That's actually perfect. Um, there, There's actually... Uh, the way that I was taught certain things from some of my teachers and the way that I break them down now is actually that same uh, idea, just from a broad perspective. So the mm -hmm. idea is isolation. So you're mm -hmm. isolating specific skill sets. Integration, you're integrating those skill sets with the team. Mm -hmm. And then improvisation, where you take them out in deployment and see how well those skills were integrated. Yeah, right. So yeah, I hope, hope this works, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's not that, you know, it's not like, oh gosh, I, these are not un, untested, you know, but still like you're tactics. always adding new stuff to like your, to the stuff, like when it's live, it's a totally different experience. Probably. Absolutely. I mean, we try and for the community, the community tries to make training as real as possible, but it is, if you were to write down the number of skill sets and traits that are required of an operator on a daily, let alone a deployment basis, it would just be overwhelming for people to look at and go, oh my God, how do you guys maintain that? And it's like, well, as best we can, you know? Yeah. Well, you, you have, you, you, you give up something to get something else. Like there's a, yeah. you, you can't sit your ass on 10 chairs at the same time, but Absolutely. you can touch them to be like, oh, I, I remember I'm proficient. Yeah. That. I'm yeah. proficient in this. I'm proficient. It's a shell game, you know. Yeah, it's it's a shell game. It, it's juggling. Like, and at a certain point, like, there, there's a limit. There's always going to be a limit with the human uh, no, yeah, condition absolutely. that we're in. Absolutely. When you were being deployed to go to war, um, were you ever, did you ever like question, um, like, like, why am I going here? Like, what am I doing? Like, is, was there like, uh, or never like, go? Yeah, I never questioned the actual, well, yeah, uh, when we, I did two deployments to the Pacific and I thought it was fucking pointless. I mean, you've got the, these teams that train a year and a half to go on a six month deployment to the Pacific, which I went to, it was, I mean, it, when we got there, it was like, well, we're here, let's make the most of it. And I did a bunch of exercises. Uh, a lot of those exercises were with countries that did not give a fuck about the U.S. They just wanted the money that came with the exercise, and that's it. And, like, why couldn't we have done these exercises when we were getting ready to deploy? Just fly us out here, do these exercises, and then let's deploy to the war. It was, I was very bitter from that perspective of, like, why are we here? This is pointless. We went to, like, not to, well, I don't want to name any specific countries, so I'm sure I'll piss someone off, you know, but it's just like, yeah, we went here and it was dumb. It was just dumb. And was, I was like, why? This is such a waste of resources. I mean, you've got all these people and it, it's politics and it's uh, uh, theater commanders that want to have a SEAL team under them. And it's the, there's politics all over the place, man. And so, yeah, I absolutely asked that. And then there was one particular time, there's more than one, but there's times when like my, my Afghan deployment, I was just like, why are we doing this? This is dumb. And then my Iraq, my last Iraq deployment, I was like, this is stupid. But uh, hey, you know, the military is the action arm of uh, 
the politic the U.S. political system, and that's why I get so fired up about politics and people that are just like, "Oh yeah, just do this." I'm like, there is a consequence behind your rhetoric, and the people that are on the very very pointy end of that that are executing your uh, intent, there's those are real people, and I think a lot of politicians could use a refresher from that perspective because there's not there's hardly any politicians that have served in the military anymore. Um, very, very few. I, I don't know the exact number right now, but uh, I think a lot of politicians are like, oh yeah, let's just go do this here. And it's like, you're wasting our time, our money and potentially lives as well. And it's, it's frustrating for me to, to still see those kinds of things happening. Yeah, we can, we can double underline the word executing. Oh yeah. Because that's literally what's being done. And like, Essentially, they have zero fucking like connection to it. It's just yeah, like, no, like, like, it's like, oh, you, you want more fucking uh, drugs in your pharmaceutical companies? Like, well, let's get it from Afghanistan or whatever the fuck they're getting, yeah, absolutely. Or whatever the fuck they're doing. So now, like, all right, so Navy SEAL, like, independent thinkers a lot right like you're an independent thinker in a lot of ways like right a rebel so, i mean i fancy myself as one but yeah. uh, i'm sure other people might have a different opinion on yeah that. fuck those people yeah <laughs> um so th- th- i mean this is this is what comes up for me right like i didn't really i don't want to talk about politics because I, I don't really have a horse i don't have a horse in the fucking race you know what i mean like i don't dig uh x and i don't dig y um we were we're, this is actually i see these podcasts as a timestamp, as like a postcard from past me to possibly future me um and maybe even past greg to future greg like this absolutely so we're in an interesting time like we're we to say the least yes yeah like we we have a presidential election that's happened and, and i'm not even sure like the the results are official yet right like i'm i haven't been following but it depends on who you ask. Yeah, exactly. You know, it depends on what side of the aisle you're on. You know. Yeah, but 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 if you're in the middle or up top, it, the decision hasn't been rendered uh, officially Correct. yet. So yeah, because there's uh, still a bunch of recounts that are happening. So the, I mean, this is it's hilarious for me because it's just like I I, I don't know your your political uh, like viewpoints, um, but you have a beautiful American flag behind you, and America in my uh in my history lessons and my experience was built by rebels it was essentially built by free men that Mm -hmm. i mean one of them there there's a quote and it was just like if uh if this be treason let's make the best of it yes Um, yes it was uh samuel uh i know what you're talking about yeah Uh, right before like the america like the like what uh like the signing of the declaration of independence mm -hmm. so and it's like we we really lack a lot of that right now. Um, I agree on both sides. On both sides, like I, I like I look at Trump, I look at Biden, and like I don't know if I would want to have a leader that's leading. Like I wouldn't leave my children with either of them. That's one. I wouldn't like want to hang out with either of them. That's two. And then three is like realistically, like I don't think either of them have ever been punched in the face. So what kind of like masculine leader could you be? And like. Because that's one of the things that comes up for me is like nowadays we have the internet, right? We have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have all this stuff. And yeah. all these people talk shit. 
Yes. Oh and, my gosh. And I, I feel like the main criteria to talking shit, like you, you're more than welcome to, I believe in the freedom of speech, but like you have to have been at least once punched in the face uh, for talking shit so that now you can uh, see like what that can cause. Like you, mm-hmm. like, I mean, the reason why we have the second amendment is protect the first amendment, but like, before we get to the second amendment, we have these dick beaters that like yeah. always used as, as humans uh, for so long. And now we live in this, like, and we don't do it anymore. Yeah. And like, people are like safe to say whatever the fuck they want to say uh, without any, any consequences, any consequences. Like, yeah. Are you fucking serious? Like you're really overestimating like your abilities and your capacities. No, I agree with you. I think that we've, I'm all about freedom of speech man, we have taken it to a place that I don't think it was ever intended. Um, Because Mike Tyson said something, and I'm butchering it, but it was essentially something to the effect of people say these things because there's no fear of getting punched in the mouth. It's something along those lines. But uh, he's so true. (laughs) It's It's so true, you know. The man of talking about getting punched in the face, you know, he can always equate things to, you know, to that. But it's so, it's so true. People are so emboldened on social media and they say these horrible, horrible things, or they say it over the phone or they say it via Zoom. At a safe distance. Because, yeah, because, yeah, at a safe distance. But like if you and I were sitting in a room and I told you to go fuck yourself, like I would be concerned because in a hand to hand game, you're going to beat my ass. <laughs> You know, because just and a little it, guy, bro. Yeah, just a little guy. But yeah, you're powerful, man. You're the little pocket Hercules. But I think people have lost sight of that. There is no like the barbarian societies or whatever the people often reference for these kinds of moments is or like feudal feudal Japan. Feudal Japan, people were crazy polite to one another, very, very rigid structure within social interactions. And if you stepped outside of those, you could get your head cut off or you could be asked to commit seppuku, you know, where you disembowel yourself. I mean, and you are bound by honor to do those kinds of things. And we have, and I'm not advocating that that's the kind of stance that we should take, but maybe like you said, hey, second amendment protects the first, but let's leave the guns in the gun case and let's, let's glove up and go to blows. Because people are so disrespectful. So disrespectful. People are crazy. They're calling for like civil war right now on both sides, where it's just like, you guys have never seen war. Like, especially a civil war. Like we've we haven't had we haven't had anything going on on fucking US soil since fucking forever for for hundreds of years, really. Yeah, 1940, you know, 1941, you know, December 7th, uh, we had Pearl Harbor. We had a day. A day, not even a full day. Yeah. And it was not even on the continental US. You know? Yeah, it was in the water. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it was in Hawaii, you know, the most isolated island chain on the planet. So it's like, yeah, okay. But yeah, and I've, I've told this in a number of podcasts, you know, it's like, hey, we need to calm down on the rhetoric because this is not a video game and you're not going to respawn. And the strife that comes with that sort of prolonged conflict on U.S. soil will not wear well on anyone. And it doesn't matter because it seems like we're still walking towards this cliff, 
Yeah, maybe and, uh, we have to experience. I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I mean, that would really suck. And I, I mean, I would say that I'm a lot better prepared for people just because of my past life than most Americans are to weather that storm. I mean, I can still shoot a gun, you know, and I, I, I have a gun to protect myself and my family. But it's just like, do we really need to stress test this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've stepped away from a lot of those like old school ideals of like being neighbors. Like we don't have to be brothers. Very true. Like we don't have to be brothers. Like, but if you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican or vice versa, it's just like, we can still be fucking neighbors. Like back in the day, like people used to pick a fucking candidate and whoever won, like, th- like it didn't have to be so fucking divisive. It yeah. didn't have to be so polarizing. And the reality is like, they're more alike than, than people care to admit. Um, oh, absolutely. From a general perspective, yeah. Um, I think that, uh, gosh, I, having been able to chat with people on the other side of the aisle and have been able to say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? It's like, oh, well, I think that. And it's like, what do you know? I think that too. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> well, what about this? It's like, well, that's where we disagree. I said, but the end state, where we want to go, by and large, I'd say we agree upon how we get to that, how we navigate to that, that point, I think is where we differ, but we, we all want to go in the same place. Let's, let's try and come to a consensus. And I just, I think that that just doesn't happen. I think dialogue does not happen. Like you and I are having dialogue that, that this just does not happen at all. And if it does happen, people are just in a rush to get offended. I've had some discussions with people that are of opposing political views. And they've asked my opinion on this. And I've been like, yeah, you know, you, you really don't want my opinion on that. Let's just, let's just leave it. And it was the issue was pushed and it was, well, I want to know. And so I gave my opinion and they, the individual or individuals quickly escalated to a point where that was pretty disrespectful, you know, talking about what we talked about before. There was distance involved. It was over a medium like this. And I was like, hey, you know, you wouldn't fucking talk to me like that if we were together. Because if you did, I would clean your clock, you know. And I've since not, I don't engage with those individuals anymore. And it's it's crazy that that's where we're at, you know. And so all of our topics are kind of coming in together. You know, it's just, it's, un, it's unfortunate where we're at. I mean, back in the day, philosophers used to debate. But debating back in the day wasn't um, for the purpose of me being right and you being wrong. Agreed. It was for the purpose of us coming up with a better solution together. Yeah. Cause like, I don't like, I don't think that the democratic, like I don't, cause all right. So I full disclosure, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And like, we don't have fucking politics. I come from like a, like a relatively like lower income, like immigrant family. Like we didn't give a fuck about no politics. Like we live next door to like Chinese neighbors and Puerto Ricans and like most of my friends are like Caribbean black and like uh, Italian and like everything, right? Like it's, it was like the melting pot. And it's like, there's no room for political beliefs in that time because back in the day, it used to be ethnic in New York. It wasn't like mm-hmm. hipster. We didn't have hipsters. Like it, it just, we didn't, I didn't know what a fucking hipster was. Um, those were the days, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting time, bro. But like, you know, um, I, I, 
I started being like a lot more curious, like once I moved uh, back into the US from Costa Rica about like politics, cause like everybody in California talks politics. And like, um, I, I, don't, I don't know enough to like have like an educated discussion. So I started like looking up all of these like points that like that might be important to me. And it was just like, neither of that, like I can't put myself in the box. I agree. I think so many people, particularly one, and I, I, you know, I'm not gonna, there's, there's, there's a particular mindset that I think puts themselves in this box a little bit more than others. And I'm not gonna say which, but uh, I've got a great friend of mine who is like, this is my party. And I love this person, but it's just, I'm like, why would you put yourself in that box? I'm not, cause I'll bring up points. I'll be like, so this this behavior that's being displayed by people that associate themselves with your party, that's you. It's like, well, no. And I'm like, be careful how you label yourself then because you are putting yourself into a box and you're going to be associated with individuals and philosophies that you may might not like. And I, I just hate how rigid it's like, this label defines me, whether it be Democrat or Republican. I'm like, that doesn't define me. Like yeah. neither of those labels completely define me. Hundred percent. It's just like, why would you let that represent everything that you bring to the table as a person? Because you're just limiting yourself there. I hundred percent. I I totally agree in a lot of ways because like we're all very unique, and like I don't think any of those parties really demonstrates anybody's uniqueness. And like we kind of like all want the same thing. We just don't have the balls to like say like you know what? I just want to be happy. I want to have some money in my bank account. I want to have some free time to spend with my family. I want to have sex a few times a week or a few like whatever whatever it is. You know I mean, if I you mean? want to restrict yourself to that number, I mean, fine. But. I mean, I meant the average man. <laughs> um, like, I love the environment, bro. Like, I go camping. I'm out in nature all the time. And like, Republicans don't give a fuck about the environment. And it seems like Democrats don't really get, care about like human stuff, right? And then there's like the libertarians, they don't give a fuck about the environment at all, right? But like they care about the human stuff. So it's like, I'm just confused because because I went to this website, it's called um, sidewith.com or something or all sides or something. And it explains like all the parties. And I was just like, I, I'm back I'm back at square one, like where like, I just don't fit in anywhere. I think gay people should fucking get married if they want to get married. I think like, I, I think nature should be taken care of. Like, I think everybody should have guns if they want to have, I think people should just do whatever the fuck they want to do. As long as it doesn't like affect my freedom to do whatever the fuck I want to do. I would say that that sounds like a very libertarian. Uh, but they don't care about the environment. Uh, I don't know. I would, I would have to look into that. I looked into like a bunch of the questions that the, uh, the thing uh, they like answer, they like answer uh. questions. And it was like, no, we will not stop logging companies. No, we will not stop fracking companies. It was just like, it was very like pro business, like very free, like laissez-faire almost yeah. like, I, I know the long-term consequences of destroying nature. Like you can see it in all these other countries. Like, yeah, it's I, not going to end well. Like I'm from Chechnya, right? And when I was born, I was supposed to die the next day. Like they told my mom that I'm not going to live. I have a very serious nervous system problem. They don't even know what it was. And then three years, but I wound up living and it worked out. Clearly. Well. Yeah. Um, so far. Uh, yeah. And then when I'm I was, happy for this. <laughs> me too. Sometimes. Um, when I was three, I started coughing. And uh, I don't know if you, you know, like the, 
like the the way that uh, like the geography of that region where it's like there's a lot of like oil mm-hmm. and in and Isn't it close to the Caspian Sea, uh, right? I think probably. Okay, I don't know. So. My, my geography is not that good. That's why I was asking. I don't know if you're familiar because <laughs> I'm I, not. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm loosely, loosely. But familiar. I lived in the main city and it was like a million people. And one day I just started fucking coughing. And I started coughing and my mom was like, uh, she couldn't figure it out. And her friend came to her and she didn't see her friend in a, in a month. And her friend was like some big inspector. And she's like, I almost died. And she's like, what happened? She's like, they, they dumped some chemicals from like these oil refineries because they use a lot of chemicals for it. And I think like almost a dozen people died and like hundreds of people were sick. And I was one of them. Good so, Lord. But like that is that thing where it's mm-hmm. like whether it's fracking whether it's like logging whatever whatever it is that we do that totally doesn't um like what we look what are we doing to the ocean you're a navy seal bro like you guys have a lot of ocean experience that place is a fucking mess yeah it's a mess we can't even mess. eat fish <clears throat> yeah um uh i mean you shouldn't because of the mercury levels um yeah i mean uh, for me i just think that common sense is just so underrated these days that uh i mean it makes think about it from a perspective of a house like i mean i'm in my garage if i came in here and turned my car on (laughs) things would not be good you know very quickly obviously the earth has filters and stuff in place and but if if i just trash this place while living in it pretty soon it will become unlivable so i have children and i want them to have a livable space so i i mean i'm not an environmental activist i'm an active environmentalist if you will i like it and and i just uh it's like hey i I do my part i recycle i've got solar panels i shut the lights off you know i i do what i can and if if everybody just did what they could i think that we could really fundamentally change the planet it really wouldn't take doesn't take all that much effort for me to do what i do and if everybody did that that would be a tremendous impact and that could be that that construct could be applied to so many things of course yeah it's simple like personal responsibility personal responsibility you're out in nature you see a fucking trash bag or you see a fucking can or whatever pick it up Yeah, pick it up pick it up pick up up drives me nuts yeah i went uh went hiking out east of uh San Diego, because that's where I live. And we went to Iron Mountain and we, we brought our dog. And so we brought dog bags, right? To pick up his poop. Because who wants to walk on a trail with poop? Well, we walk right to the trailhead and what's there? Just a big steamer from a dog that was left. And I lost track of how many piles of dog shit I saw on the trail hiking up the mountain that day. It was easily over 30. Wow. But it's like, what the fuck, people? I've got I've got my bags. Do your part. I didn't have enough bags to pick up all the dog shit. It was ridiculous because it was like, oh, we'll pick that one up too. And then we went six feet and there was another steamer and there was another one. And then there was another one. I'm like, all right, we're just going to walk and we're going to take care of our stuff. But it's, it's just Costa disappointing. Rica. In yeah. Costa Rica, we used to do beach cleanups. We used to take all the kids from the academy and like uh do like beach cleanups with a few of the other organizations 
And like, it's crazy, like how much damage uh, in a good way, uh, 20, 30 people with gar each has a garbage bag and fucking plastic gloves on or whatever, or rubber gloves on can do in an hour or mm -hmm. two. Uh, like you can really like yeah. fill up some fucking garbage and like do that once a month, wherever the fuck you live. Like whoever's listening to this is like, just get some of your friends together, smoke some weed or whatever the fuck that you need to do. <laughs> and like so sing true. Kumbaya and fucking go like when I'm high, I want to like, I want to do stuff. And like, maybe it's collecting trash. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what it is that you do. Just like fucking do it and enjoy it. Because like your children, your children's children are going to benefit from it. Absolutely. You're going to benefit from it. You're not going to live in this crappy environment, you know, around your home. For sure. So what does your daily life look like now? Like what, what time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up? What kind of food do you eat? Do you still, um, what kind of training do you do? Yeah. I mean, training, I, it's, it's, it's taken a, it's, it's taken a hit from that perspective just because of work and school. They're both uh, very, very time-consuming commitments, which I knew there would be a trade-off. But uh, literally just this week, I'm starting to be more focused about training because it's taking a toll on me. You know, I'm just like, from a mental health perspective, to be quite frank, it's like, oh, you know, this sucks and I'm not in a good place. And exercise changes that. It, it flips that switch. So literally starting to engage in that in a more uh, deliberate way. But uh, I wake up around five and I'll meditate for 30 minutes. And I've been incorporating that now. I've done it almost 80 days in a row. And that's really, really helped with all things become focused and just trying to change myself in a positive way. And then I will go either for I'll get outside. I do Pilates twice a week. I'll work out and I'll do that first thing in the morning. And then I'll come back and I will log in to my work email and I will, Hey, what's going on? Cause my company's an East coast based company and it's okay. I need to catch up on the day's events and catch up on that stuff as much as possible. And then look towards homework for the next class session, because I'm doing an executive MBA, which means that it meets on the every other weekend. And so okay, I've got my job. Now I need to do my second job, which is school. And then reach out to my study group and do those kinds of things. And then in the evening time, often my kids have activities and I'm kind of in charge of taking my son to activities and my wife takes our daughter. And so I'll primarily be taking him to activities and I'll try and catch up on phone calls and some other things and look at homework during that time frame, And then I'll come back and I'll engage in probably a study session or work on some homework and then I'll stretch and read a little bit and then try and go to bed before 11 and then start it all over again the next day. So that's, that's kind of my routine. I love it. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's a lot, but I love it. You know, could use a little bit of a break. Could you, could you probably like uh, when I'm done with this degree plan, I would love to just take a month off. <laughs> I'm on a vacation, just be like, fuck it, I'm done for a while. Well, whenever, if I'm still here in Vegas, uh, whenever you want, come down, bro. We'll figure something out. We'll do I would like love a, that. We'll do like a retreat. Yeah, my oldest daughter lives in uh, Vegas. She's an artist. Nice. Very, very good. That's so awesome. I actually have a couple of her paintings on the wall. So I love very it. proud of her. All right. So this is like a rapid fire round. Okay, let's do it. Yes, no questions or really in, dig in. Imagination. 
If you weren't a Navy SEAL, who would you be? If I wasn't previously? Yeah, well, you still are. Yeah. Um I would have I would have tried to get a job with the CIA. Wow. Yeah. What is one thing you would love to upload into the minds of people in the world? Ooh. The ability to take risks. I love it. What is one book you see yourself recommending over and over again in your life to people? Oh God, Gates of Fire. Stephen Pressfield, Gates yeah, of Fire. Warrior culture. There's not enough warrior culture today. Just yes. bitches out there. <sighs> yeah. Yes, I, I totally my agree. Favorite, my favorite book. I've got it. I've got it, you know, got it in the bookcase. It's I, I love his stuff. I'm trying to think of where it's at. It might not be. I'm trying to find it right now. I've got my bookcase over here, but I've read it probably six, seven times. I love it. That's a good reminder. I'm going to reread it again. Yeah. I love all his stuff. Yeah. It's just good, you know, about brotherhood, honor, you know, sacrifice, you know, just a really, really great book. Really great book. What music are you listening to? What do you, what music are you enjoying right now? Um, Since Tool's new album has come out that, that has kind of been just dominating my, uh, dominating my playlist for a while, but uh Taylor Swift has a new album out too. So I've got some pretty diverse uh, tastes and I've been listening to her too. So, uh, I mean, prior to joining the SEAL teams, I was actually a music major. Uh, I guess that's going to be public knowledge now, but, uh, yeah, I, I like, uh, anywhere from tool to Tay Tay to, uh, you know, uh, classical music to rap. Um, but Tool is like my go-to since that new album came out. I just love it. And I got to see them live before uh, COVID happened. And it was just a phenomenal show. It was awesome. Love it. Yeah. What is your favorite customized ice cream, com- like ice cream combo that you would want made for you? Ooh, Jamocha almond fudge with cookies and cream from Baskin Robbins. Ooh. Yeah, like a swirl. That would be perfect. If you were a food, what kind of food would you be? Oh, a protein. Right now, I would say uh, fried chicken or wings (laughs) because I am just on a huge fried chicken or chicken wings kick. I cannot cannot consume enough of those. And I've got a very close friend that when they watch me eat wings, they're like, you look disgusting (laughs) right now. Love it. Let me know when you're going to be eating wings because I don't want to be around you. It's like, what? <laughs> you just put them in your pockets. Yeah. If you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Oh, a jaguar. Ooh. Yeah. Very versatile, strong, can be in the water, can be on land, can climb, can't fly, kind of sucks, but good at yeah, hiding. Can do just about everything else really well. Yeah. Good at hiding, too. We had a yeah. lot of jaguars in the jungle. Yeah. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? I'd be a truck. What kind of truck? Uh, something that was built to last. <laughs> like nice. it can haul the load, you know? Nice. Like like a like a pickup truck? Or yeah, like, like a, a pickup truck. Nice. Yeah, like a like a Chevy Chevy Silverado or a Toyota Tundra, something like that. Nice. You know. Something that you just drop concrete rocks in the back and then you go for a ride. <laughs> That's what I would want to be. <laughs> I love it. All right. Now this is theoretical. Okay. If you were dying. Ooh. Yeah. What would be your last meal? Probably a steak. Beef. Oh yeah. Or bison. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. One of those two. 
why not both? I don't have to worry about overeating. For sure. For sure. What would be... Oh, I'm bloated. Dead. Yeah. Yeah, Um, dead. And then I shit all over myself. You're welcome. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that that would be a great way to go. (laughs) That motherfucker crapped all over himself on the way out. And this on purpose. (laughs) And he didn't even pick it up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's a good idea. What What would be your last experience... No matter how long, how short, and who would you want to share it with? Oh gosh, to be with the people that I love, you know. What would you do? Just um, my first thought is to be like be on the ocean and watch the sunset, and just just hang out in the sand and the surf and the sun, and to just be able to watch it go down, and then be like, all right, that's cool. Like I love you guys, you know. I'm out. Here's my stick. <laughs> would you do, would you do like a like a long goodbye, or would you like fuck with them like a Deadpool? Oh yeah, that, I mean, uh, I would I would probably want it to be serious. Uh, but there's there's also that I'm incredibly sarcastic. But uh, I don't know. I would probably want to impart things. But re, you know, really reflecting on that, and it's should try and do that before I kick it. You know, your yeah. last piece of advice to the next generation never stop learning and always, and don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. I love it. I mean, that's so perfect. Now, I don't know if you care to be burned or you care to be buried. I'm not sure. But I'm not la- sure myself, honestly. I, I, I have an idea of how I want to do it. Um, if you, if you're interested. Yeah, uh, please. I, I want to be burned and turned into like a fruit bearing, like peach tree. Or, uh, or like a diamond, like, or both, right? Like, cause there's a lot of fucking, not a lot of ash cause I'm little, but like, I'll have a lot of shit in me. So hopefully that'll turn into ash too. And, um, <laughs> like a ring or like, uh, like a necklace, like a diamond mm-hmm. with like yeah. the ashes and, yeah. a tr- and a tree that bears fruits. Have you, gosh, there's, I read about this somewhere like way long ago is that there used to be a tradition where you would put like an acorn or something in the person's heart. So it would promote like the growth of a tree out of them. That would be kind of cool. I could see that. Yeah. Like an oak. Yeah. Like an oak tree or like have a tree planted in your chest. So you could, you know, that would really suck if you got trapped in that tree and you're like, fuck's sake. Yeah. They they actually do that now, but they have like a newer way of doing it. After they burn people, they put them in like this container um, because charcoal is really good for growing stuff. Oh yeah. Well, we're super nutritious. Well, not most of us, but like some of us are super fucking nutritious. And like they, they plant the person's ashes with the fucking, with the plant already. So then it grows Mm -hmm into the tree there's like there's like a service that does it that's pretty cool it's a fucking cool business that's legit i like it huh all right so the last line or the line on your tombstone here lays greg he did it his way i love it is there anything that i didn't ask or you want to share with the listeners no no this was good i enjoyed this I, I, I loved it. We should do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's yeah. do it again. Let's do it again. I, I, I enjoy it a lot, for sure. I love that flag behind you, bro. In my, oh, thank you. I, I, thank you. My, it's funny. I am in my closet. I'm in my like walk-in closet. I live in an obnoxiously <clears throat> large house right now in Vegas. Everything's obnoxiously large here. Um, 
I think it's for all the regrets and the resentments that people carry after coming home from the casino. You need a lot of space for that. So ah. <laughs> my, my buddy funny. was like, you should call your podcast in the closet. But oh, I, that's I a great one. For sure. For sure. I mean, it might attract like a totally different audience. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but fuck it. Why not? Right. Yeah. What's in the closet? You know, <laughs> what isn't? Um, yeah. bro, thank you so much. I yeah, appreciate you. I appreciate your service for the freedom of this country. Yeah. It's veterans day. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's veterans day today. Fuck yeah. Oh, so I, dude, yeah. what a fucking timestamp. We have a podcast right? on veterans day. Yeah. This is cool. Bro. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, let's figure it out. Let's, let's get some hang time. Yeah. I'll send you a message, man. All right, bro. Love you. Have an Take awesome care, day. brother. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And whether you listen to this one episode or all of them, I want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. Thank you for sharing the show with your friends. And thank you for the feedback. There's new shows posted a few times a week. So please subscribe on whatever platform you enjoy using the most because you don't want to miss some of these superstars I'll be having conversations with. And for the listeners that have been asking if I'm available for coaching or I do live events, the short answer to that question is yes. I have a few programs available and it just depends on what's the right fit for both of us. One-on-one, small group study, and live events based on my methods for creating inner peace, freedom, and balance. The programs are going to be focused on wellness through all the tools that I've picked up in the last 15 years of flying around the world, learning, practicing, testing, and teaching. If that sounds aligned with what you are looking for, click on the link in the show notes and fill out an application. I'll talk to you guys soon. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast.